Alden Gonzalez, long time no see. I'm assuming you made it back from Nashville all good. How are you, sir? I'm doing great, Clinton. Yes, I did make it back from Nashville okay. I would have loved a little bit more action, but at least we got Juan Soto. Did you even make it outside of the building? And what was that experience like overall for you, Alden? I did not. Maybe briefly, I made it outside the building. For the most part, I breathed in some artificial air in what has been described to me as a biodome environment. Um, If people don't know what the Gaylord Opera Land Resort is, it is just a gigantic hotel that has its own artificial river that flows throughout it. It's basically its own ecosystem and nothing penetrates it, including any real MLB news, which is what happened that week. If you've ever seen the movie Biodome, my favorite line is, we got lots of stuff to eat. Anyway, we did not get the news that we were looking for during the meetings, but on Saturday, it came around. Shohei Otani, the most unique and probably sought-after free agent in, honestly, baseball history, agreed to a 10-year, $700 million deal with the Los Angeles Dodgers. Where were you exactly when you got the news, and what did you think? I was home. I was watching the kids. My wife was working that day, which was beautiful timing, as always. And like everybody in the world, Clinton, I was stunned. Not so much by his selection of the Dodgers, but what got me, Clinton, was the number. $700 million. I remember when I threw out at the beginning of the year from talking to executives that he could sign a $500 million contract, people were shocked. Since then, he tore his UCL again. We don't know how he's going to come back as a pitcher. And he signed for $700 million. Nobody, and I mean nobody, expected that. We all went into MLB's winter meetings waiting for the news of where Shohei Otani was taking his talents. What we got was weeks of basically radio silence until Saturday, when the baseball world experienced sticker shock. $700 million, an unimaginable haul for Otani, and a sign of just how badly the Dodgers wanted him. So today... Alden Gonzalez explains how this deal came together, what the price tag tells us about Otani and the Dodgers, and maybe even about what it means to be a top-flight athlete in today's global marketplace. I'm Clinton Yates, kiddos. It's Tuesday, December 12th. This is ESPN Daily. Two guys drove to work. Neither guy wore a seatbelt. One guy got a ticket. One guy didn't. The same two guys drove home. One guy wore a seatbelt. One guy didn't. One guy made it home. The guy not wearing his seatbelt didn't. Don't risk it. Click it or ticket. Paid for by NHTSA. Alden, $700 million. It's a staggering amount of money, the richest deal in MLB history. 
more than $250 million more than what his former teammate Mike Trout signed for several years back. Otani will make more in 2024 than two teams spent on their opening day payrolls in 2023. Shame on you, Baltimore Orioles and Oakland Athletics. And as you mentioned, we still don't even know if the guy will pitch again. So how do you rationalize this deal considering all of that? I think it's a testament to the kind of global star that Shohei Otani is. And he is a global star to a level that baseball players don't really reach. I think if you have to find comps for him, you need to go into the realm of Lionel Messi or LeBron James. He's the kind of player who transcends sport. And if you pay attention to the way the Dodgers under Andrew Friedman have operated, they've been very pragmatic about how they use their money, how they allocate their resources. And they're very picky about which players they actually spend big on. They did it for Mookie Betts because they loved him. They did it for Freddie Freeman because his market basically bottomed out and they were just well positioned for him. But they did it to a completely different level for Shohei Otani, not just because of the type of talent that he is, but because of what he represents for their brand on a global level. Not to throw anybody's name under the bus, but those negotiations, the reporting, Toronto, who knows, coming from your position as an insider who breaks breaking news, what's it like to be a part of that when you start hearing about guys on planes from Santa Ana to Toronto and so on and so forth? That particular part of the process, give us some insight as to what that's like. Yeah, I will say that what made the Shohei Otani thing interesting, and I think this is a, this goes back to the entire Shohei Otani experience, no matter what time of the year we're in, the combination of a player who demands so much intrigue and is so big a part of the conversation, combined with a player who is so secretive, I think sometimes leads to stuff like this happening. And I'm not trying to make excuses for it, but when you have a player that mysterious combined with a player that popular in a social media age, in this era of Twitter, I should add, you're going to make for some wild occurrences. And this past Friday was as wild as you can get. We had people tracking jets flying from Santa Ana to Toronto, thinking that he was on that plane. We had a false report from a Dodgers fan site saying he was going to the Blue Jays. I got to say, I'm sympathetic to how difficult it has been to extract information in this process. But I will also say, you have to be sure. If you're going to report stuff like that, if you're going to say that he's decided to join a certain team, you have to be certain that that's the case. For me, as not necessarily an outsider, but somebody who doesn't have any real stakes in this as a fan, it was entertaining just to watch the circus unfold on social media. But if you're a Blue Jays fan who thought you were close to getting this guy and you woke up on Saturday still thinking that you might be the favorite to land Shohei Otani, and all of a sudden he announces that he's going to the Dodgers and the rug has been pulled out from under you, I feel for you, and you shouldn't have been put through something like that. 
Little lesson in journalism, kiddos. Getting it right is better than getting it first. All right, Alden, we mentioned the fact that Shohei Otani is effectively an international man of mystery. It's something that we've seen a little bit out of certain athletes, not nearly as much to this extent. What about that do you think added to these negotiations as far as the Dodgers and every other team that was involved? Yeah, I I think for a lot of teams, there was just, there was an air of mystery about this process because from what I could gather, teams who met with Shohei Otani would come away with those meetings not really sure where he was leaning. And Dave Roberts mentioned this uh, when he made what ended up being this really controversial reveal, which shouldn't have been controversial at all, which was that during his winter meeting session, he said that the Dodgers actually met with Shohei Otani, which by the way, Okay, duh. The richest team in baseball (laughs) is going to meet with the best player in baseball. Yeah, they're obviously interested in him, so they have to meet with him. Anyway, what Dave Roberts said was that Shohei Otani has a really good poker face. And I think a lot of the teams that met with Shohei and his CAA agent, Nez Bolello, I don't know that they got a full grasp of sort of where he stood in terms of how willing he was to sign with them. But I don't think that's really anybody's fault. And I think there was a lot of angst throughout this process about not having more information out there. And I could tell you as a reporter, I would love nothing more than full-on transparency, especially in a free agency like this. But I also got to admit that, you know, it's not our right. Shohei Otani is a free agent. Shohei Otani is a very private person. And I could tell you this from covering him pretty extensively over the last half decade when he was in Anaheim, that he likes to keep things private. And I think part of that is, I don't think we grasp here in the United States how big of a star Shohei Otani is in Japan and the way that he is covered in Japan, how every little thing gets blown up in Japan. I'm sure that's part of the calculus that we need to come to grips with here when Dave Roberts said on Tuesday that he met with Shohei Otani, uh, I, I think some people on the Dodgers, some front office members on the Dodgers, uh, were a little bit... Um, I know what you're trying to say because I was standing right next to you when some of them were facing the media, shrugging shoulders and looking every which way but straight ahead. It felt like Dave had kind of violated a little bit of a trust. But overall... I'm going to give the guy a little bit of credit for that because he at least spoke what was real. My point is, do you think that that privacy element ultimately helped or hurt anybody, particularly the Dodgers? I don't think so. And and a lot was made about whether Dave Roberts might have messed up the Dodgers' chances to sign Shohei Otani. And I will say this. If Shohei Otani would have ultimately gone to the Blue Jays or the Giants or the Cubs or gone back to the Angels... I am certain that there would have been some fans and maybe even some members of the Dodgers who would have thought, did Dave Roberts really mess this up for us? But what I could tell you is that that was not ultimately going to be part of his decision. Our, our Jeff Passan did report early in the process that teams have been told that it's going to be used against them if they ultimately put out information about meeting with Shohei Otani. But here's the thing. At the end of the day, Shohei Otani was going to sign a very long-term contract for a lot of money. He was going to to go to the place where he feels the most comfortable. He was going to go to the place that was going to give him a lot of money. 
There is no world in which Shohei Otani was going to hinge his decision on who kept it secretive the best. So you mentioned Anaheim, a place where you've been in many clubhouses and seen him play quite a bit. He's heading up the five to wear Dodger blue. The entire baseball world was lined up for this guy. How exactly do you think the Dodgers got it done? I think they got it done for a very simple combination. I think they gave him an absurd amount of money. And I think there were a lot of aspects of their organization that very simply appealed to him. There is no team that is better equipped in terms of their resources, in terms of their track record of getting the most out of Shohei Otani as a two-way player. And if his elbow ultimately doesn't allow him to keep pitching, of maximizing him as a position player, of using him as an outfielder, which a lot of people think that he can make that transition easily. And so when you combine that they have unmatched infrastructure, that they are basically the team of our lifetime. I know they haven't won the amount of championships that people expect. The playoffs can be a crapshoot. They've won their division 10 out of the last 11 years. And the year that they did not win the division, they won more than 100 games. They have an amazing farm system. They're incredibly sustainable. That's another part of it. And then, of course, it's Southern California. Shohei Otani's interpreter was born and raised there. Shohei Otani likes living in Southern California. His agent, Nez Bolello, lives in Southern California. There's a comfort there. And it's why the Dodgers were always seen as the favorite. Because how can you beat that history, that infrastructure, that reputation, and also, hey, by the way, you don't have to move. In fact, if you could put up with a little bit of traffic, you could live in the exact same house that you're living in right now. Alden Gonzalez typically tells the truth, but he's telling lies when he says a little bit of traffic. Anyway, $700 million guaranteed is a massive price tag. But how would you describe how this $700 million actually breaks down here in terms of how it goes out from the Dodgers to Otani? Yeah, one thing that we have to keep in mind here is that there are massive deferrals in this contract, meaning that a lot of the payout for this contract is going to be paid out later in his career, even after Shohei Otani retires. And look, he's going to get paid a lower base salary on an annual basis. And what I'm told is that the majority, and I'm going to say that again, the majority of Shohei Otani's contract is deferred. And I'm also told that it was his idea. He wanted to give the Dodgers more room on an annual basis in order to get more players, in order to have more room on their payroll. And one thing that you got to keep in mind here, not to get super granular with this, but there's a competitive balance tax payroll. And that is the payroll that is used to calculate where teams reside based on the luxury tax. And once you exceed certain thresholds in the luxury tax, that's when you have to start paying taxes on the overage. That's when you start losing draft picks. It becomes a problem for teams, especially if you do it year to year. By deferring money, you're lowering the average annual value of that salary. And by the way, it's why people still think they have a chance to sign Yoshinobu Yamamoto, the 25-year-old starting pitcher who's going to command a contract in excess of $200 million in this very free agency. 
And those chances might have become even better because on Monday night, it was reported that Otani will be deferring $680 million of his $700 million salary until 2034, paying him just $2 million per year and bringing his competitive balance threshold figure to about $46 million a year, which will certainly help a team already paying Mookie Betts, Freddie Freeman, the kind of money they are. So with a decade of dominance under their belt and deferrals granting them the flexibility to keep spending, how does all of that factor into the Dodgers' chances of winning year after year after year after year? I mean, is there such thing as a $700 million contract that could be a bargain for a team? Because that might be what we got here uh, it's just gonna it's gonna help greatly, as as you said, their CBT number, and that's what's used to calculate where they are relative to the luxury tax threshold, is forty six million dollars. That's still a big number, I should say, but it's not what it could have been under a contract like this, which is seventy million dollars. And, and I think just the stunning thing too is the two million dollar figure. Shohei Otani is gonna make twenty million dollars combined from twenty twenty four to twenty thirty three. And then he's going to make $680 million from 2034 to 2043. As the CBT is written right now, there is no limit on the amount of money that you could defer. I believe there's no limit for how long you can defer that money for. I just think that Shohei Otani is the ultimate outlier here. We were told that this was his idea, that he did this because he wanted to free up payroll for the Dodgers so that they could try to add players on a yearly basis. I'm sure that's true. Is it entirely true? Was it entirely his idea? We will never know that for sure. You just have to be inside the room to know that. But I don't know that there are going to be many other players that do this. And I think it's worth emphasizing here that a CBT number of $46 million is still very high. It's still, I believe, higher than anybody in baseball. So it's not as if the the Dodgers are going to be paying $2 million for tax reasons. It's not as significant a burden as it would have been, but it's significant nonetheless. Every year, the Dodgers have high World Series expectations. Every year, they're basically the favorites to either win the National League or win the World Series. And every year, they disappoint, especially the last two years, first round eliminations to the San Diego Padres, then to the Arizona Diamondbacks, And look, the Dodgers have spent basically the entirety of this decade racking their collective heads about what actually makes the difference in October and how you could overcome the small sample sizes that can lead to some fluky occurrences in a sport like baseball. I'm not sure they have figured it out. But one thing that has proven to make a difference, and I've heard Padres general manager AJ Preller say this a lot. It is superstar-level talent. When the stakes get big, when the opponents get better and better, when the pressure ratches up, what you need is superstar-level talent. And one thing that the Dodgers have always been really good at is they've been really good at building out quality depth. And that quality depth is really important for a six-month season when injuries can occur. But what they've sometimes been lacking is upper echelon talent. At the very least, enough of it. Shohei Otani is upper echelon talent. He's the type that can overcome the randomness 
of these small samples, will it ultimately mean a World Series championship in 2024? That's a really difficult thing to project, especially in a sport like baseball. But I think it's going to give them an exponentially better chance. Coming up, what does Otani's defection from Anaheim and his history with that franchise mean for his future going forward? Delicious meat nutritious. In the snack that packs a real protein punch, wonderful pistachios, one of the highest protein nuts out there. Each one-ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. Trust me, I've been eating them like there's no tomorrow all week. Wonderful pistachios also come in a variety of flavors and sizes, perfect for enjoying with your family and friends or taking them with you on the go. And you, like me, are on the go a lot, taking the kids to school, hopping from meeting to meeting, shopping for groceries, whatever it may be. Well, the good news is not only are Wonderful Pistachios a complete protein providing all nine essential amino acids, they're also great for all your adventures. So whether you're a pistachio purist who loves cracking open every nut or you prefer the convenience of no-shells pistachios, Wonderful Pistachios has got you covered. Grab Wonderful Pistachios and elevate your snack game today. Visit WonderfulPistachios.com to learn more. Picture this. You arrive at your hotel. You have an important online meeting lined up with clients from all across the country. You have your laptop open, ready to begin, and the Wi-Fi is so terrible you can't even connect. These type of stressful situations happen all the time, but they don't have to. When you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you have access to their free high-speed Wi-Fi. So you can take care of those critical emails, join your meetings on time, and even unwind by streaming your favorite shows without having to worry. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Alden, you've been on the Otani beat for ESPN over the years. It's given you a level of insight and access inside the Halos clubhouse. What does his exit from Anaheim mean for that team who just hired a new manager in Ron Washington? Well, I could tell you what their intentions are, and their intentions are to continue to compete. And I know they haven't done a very good job of that. But this is not the type of franchise under their owner, Artie Moreno, that is ever going to go into any sort of rebuilding phase, even when there are a lot of people throughout the industry who believe they should have gone into a rebuilding phase for a long time. They need Mike Trout to get healthy and play a full season. They need Anthony Rendon to get healthy and play a full season. They haven't gotten that especially not in the three years when Shohei Otani has dominated as a two-way talent. But they're going to keep spending, and they're going to try to replace Shohei Otani in the aggregate, which is not only really difficult, but probably impossible. This is a team that I think is still very far away, that still hasn't developed players from their farm system to the level that they need to in order to balance out what is a very top-heavy payroll. And this is a team that the only way that they can make up those deficiencies is to spend a lot of money on the free agent market. They've spent a little bit of money on the free agent market. They probably haven't spent as much as they need to in order to make up for those deficiencies. And when you're playing in a division with a Texas Rangers team that just won the World Series and might be even better next season, Mm -hmm. and the Houston Astros, who returned the vast majority of a roster that has been very, very successful, and a Mariners team that plans on continuing to ascend, you need to do more. 
And I'll be very curious to see if they're going to be in the market for high-end talent because they did want to bring Shohei Otani back. And for a while, if you talk to people in their organization, they felt like they had a good chance. They didn't get him. And they have to live with the fact that they not only could not capitalize on the prime years of Mike Trout, the player of the 2010s, but they couldn't capitalize on the prime years of Shohei Otani, the player of the 2020s. The reason I bring that up is because what we learned was that, by and large, the Angels seemed content to let Otani do basically whatever he wanted. I mean that in terms of his own plan and approach, when he would throw, when he would play, how he would prepare, how he would recover from injuries. And with the level of investment in this new deal, how do you think that changes with the Dodger Blue? It's going to be interesting because the dynamics are different. The, the Angels, under their then-manager Joe Madden and general manager Perry Manassian, at the beginning of the 2021 season, they said, look, we're going to take off any restrictions that you had, which means if you want to hit, you could hit whatever you want, even on your start days. If you want to pitch on the fifth day as opposed to the sixth, you can do that too. You'll even play the outfield after you come out of your starts because we want your bat in the lineup one more time. It was a lot of fun. But Shohei Otani was fully healthy when they did that. So the dynamics of the Dodgers are going to be interesting because when he starts attempting to pitch again in 2025, he will be coming off his second Tommy John-ish surgery. He's had two UCL tears in a five-year stretch. And when that happens, you're going to have an innings limit, you're going to be closely watched. But ultimately, I don't think Shohei Otani, and I'm speculating here, but I don't think Shohei Otani would have signed with a team that wasn't going to let him dictate the terms of how he performs this two-way role. And you could fault the Angels for a lot of things and a lot of what they did. But one thing they gave us, us being a baseball-loving populace, is they gave us the gift of Shohei Otani unlocked. And it was an immense gift for just the game of baseball. And I would think that the Dodgers are going to trust Shohei Otani in a lot of the ways that the Angels did. And one of the reasons why they trusted him, probably the biggest reason, nobody cares more than Shohei Otani. Nobody studies this more. Nobody is more diligent than Shohei. If you're going to trust somebody He's the guy you trust. I think ultimately they will get there too. His injury is not just the elephant in the room. It's the elephant in the savannah roaming the plains that we are all watching. You mentioned him potentially coming back to pitch in 2025. What have we learned? What have you learned about the plan specifically for him to return to the mound? He's going to spend basically all of 2024 rehabbing and he's going to work his way back up very similar to the way he did it in 2019 and in 2020. And he's going to try to be a two-way player again. When he had the surgery, his doctor, which is also, by the way, the Dodgers team physician, Dr. Neil Elatrach, said that he's going to return to a two-way role in 2025. And that is very much his intention. And if you talk to people throughout the industry, nobody doubts that he is going to attempt to do this again. But there is a lot of uncertainty with probably Shohei Otani himself. And I'm just guessing there. But 
This is two elbow surgeries in a five-year stretch. And when you look at the history of this procedure, and it keeps getting better and better, the success rates get better and better, there's not a ton of precedent for guys coming back from two Tommy John surgeries and having prolonged success as a pitcher. I could point to Nathan Eovaldi as a very good example. I don't know that I could point to many others. And that's only to say, we don't know. Mm. We don't know how this is going to play out moving forward. The Dodgers don't know. I would guess Shohei Otani is not certain. If there is one player who would do this, it is him. But the air of uncertainty on that side of the field is very real. One of the things I'm most curious about in this entire process, to use a phrase of yours to get down to a granular level, is how being a full-time DH will impact his ability to recover from an arm standpoint. You know what I'm saying? I'm not a doctor. I'm not a physician. But I do wonder because most people who shut it down for a Tommy John surgery literally shut it down. They don't play DH at a big league level on the side. I hear you, Clinton. And those are the same concerns that I've had. Those are the same questions that I've had. Every doctor that I've talked to about this, every baseball exec, every coach will tell you that hitting does not get in the way of recovery from UCL surgery. I've been told that the fact that he is a right-handed thrower and a left-handed hitter, which means that his lead elbow is the one that was surgically repaired, is better than if it's his trail elbow when he's hitting. Look, common sense tells me that if you just keep swinging a bat constantly all the time and doing everything that it takes to get ready to hit big league pitching, it's got to have some effect. But what I have been told is what people would be more scared of is base running, right? Sliding head first, disrupting something in that process, running into the first baseman going down the line. Mm. Those are the types of things that the doctors that I've spoken to would be more careful about, would be more scared about than actually hitting. What I do wonder though, and if you think back to 2020, how much of a struggle it was for Shohei Otani to get back on, on the mound and just how erratic he looked, I do wonder if at the very least, it makes the process a little bit longer than it might for somebody else. If he comes back and is able to throw, do you see him starting again? Or is this a John Smoltz type situation where the Dodgers find a way to use him, perhaps in a bullpen or even a closer role? I think he's a starting pitcher. He's going to come back as a starting pitcher. That's the plan. It's what he likes to do. And to be honest, just from a logistical standpoint, I've been told that being a relief pitcher and a hitter would be a lot more difficult than being a starting pitcher and a hitter. Because you got to think about, I know we saw him do this very famously during the World Baseball Classic. Coming out, and I'll never forget being in Miami, watching Shohei Otani come back from second base, approaching the dugout, putting his helmet down, and then jogging to the bullpen to warm up to pitch the ninth inning. Like, I still have goosebumps thinking about that. But that was one day. Doing that over the course of a full season, when you think about how erratic the schedule of a reliever is and how often they warm up and then they sit down and they warm up again. And when you're at DH, you're downstairs and you got to hit in the batting cage to get loose. I just don't think logistically that can work. What Shohei Otani likes is routine. He wants, the, he wants a routine set and starting every five, every six days 
gives him a certainty about how every week is going to play out that I think helps him do what basically has never been done. Don't let the California sunshine fool you. From Orange County to Chavez Ravine is a slog. Thank you, Alden. Thanks, Flynn. I'm Clinton Yates. This has been ESPN Daily. We'll talk to you tomorrow, kiddos.